Hello, everyone, and welcome to another conversation about software engineering. This is Joy Clark, and today on the Case Podcast, I will be talking to Gernot Starke about AIM42, a method for systematically improving software. Gernot is a fellow at InnoQ and is well known for his experience with software architecture and documentation. So thank you so much for taking the time to let me interview you. Thank you, Joy, for letting me talk about one of my pledgehilds, my hobbies, improving software. So uh, today we want to talk about AIM42. Could you tell me briefly what AIM42 is? Or actually not briefly, because we're going to be talking about it for a while. So. Okay, let's start <laughs> with the word AIM. Um, AIM to aim for something um, has another meaning AIM, Architecture Improvement Method, mm -hmm. uh, we are aiming for a better software, better legacy systems, actually. So to improve existing systems is the goal that AIM42 tries to reach. Oh, that's great. What does the 42 stand for? I think most technical guys should know about the 42. It's mm -hmm. the answer to all questions. I was wondering. Life universe it... and everything. <laughs> It's this very wondering. strange British humor mm -hmm. of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Nice. I was wondering if it was a reference to that. Several things I did in my past ended with 42, so I reused that, that suffix in the AIM method. Mm -hmm. There were no three-letter uh, three URLs available any longer, mm -hmm. so I had to switch to a five-letter URL, and then I used the 42. Smart. <laughs> um, so I'm interested in your journey to AM42. You've had many, many years of experience developing software and developing systems. Um, so if you could just let me know what your background was, um, why you decided to develop the method. If I think about my personal past, and I assume it's similar with many, many developers It's most of our time, let me guess, 70 to 80% of our time we spend modifying existing systems and not building systems from mm -hmm. scratch. And everything I learned in my formal education at university was just about building new systems. Mm -hmm. So I learned about 20% of my, of my daily work. Um, daily work in more than a decade of working with clients, customers, and so on. So I started thinking, how can we improve this 70%? How can we educate people? How can we a bit um, find some more systematic approach in this not building from scratch, but building on sometimes quite ridiculously bad grounds where we have to add new functionality or improve performance or whatever. Mm -hmm. modifications clients need or ask us to do and, and we need to do that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so AIM42 is approach to systematically improve software. Uh, what steps does that entail? I have a thesis that uh, during the last years iterative approaches um, found their way into all aspects of software, software development operations, and so on. So one of the basic theses in AIM42 is that we need iterative approaches for improvement also, not only for developing new systems, but also, also iteration um, in evolution and maintenance of systems. So we... AIM42 consists actually of three phases which we want to perform in an iterative basis. Mm -hmm. And one approach or one, one observation was that developers tend to correct mistakes when they find them. Mm -hmm. And the second they find some bad code, they tend to, oh, I, I want to improve that. And I think it's often a good idea to step back and just uh, start collecting potential mistakes or potential problems and later on decide which of these are worse and have to be fixed first. Mm -hmm. um, as if you spend the whole day refactoring small code smells, then you might have 
improved the code a little, but you probably missed the actual huge problem in performance. Mm -hmm. And that's why AIM proposes that three, phase, the three phases analyze the problems first, evaluate the ones are, which are bigger or have more impact, and in the third phase, do the actual improvement. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in the first step, uh, the process is the analysis of the system. What tools are available to help me with analyzing my system? Mm, an interesting question, because the first and most important tool is built into every human. It's uh, your ability to communicate with existing stakeholders of a system. Mm -hmm. Before I start throwing a huge and probably uh, complicated tool at some 100,000 lines of source code, I'd like to ask the developers about their impression of the system. I ask uh, the um, operation guys, the administrators of a system, what's their experience with it, where they find difficulties, encounter problems, and so on. So we usually you should start with a, we call it stakeholder analysis. Mm -hmm. So um, have a look what stakeholders are involved. Have you access to actual users? You could ask about their impression of a system, whether they know about problems or issues. And ask architects, ask uh, UX designers, everyone who's potentially involved in developing or evolving the system and get, mm -hmm. get a, a collection of problems from these stakeholders. Mm -hmm. And after you did that, you might come up with a tool. Okay. And that tool might be code analysis or whatever. But the stakeholder analysis is the absolutely required first step. Okay. Um, so, uh, what does it? So you you have the stakeholder analysis. What comes out of the analysis step? Um, in small to medium cases, let's say in in the usual case, after the interviews with several stakeholders, usually we we propose to do that in pairs. So you have two interviewers and one or two stakeholders talking about the system and, and the problems. And we more or less informally collect existing problems and issues on sticky notes, whatever, mm -hmm. very low tech instrument and start, start putting together a collection of these sticky notes on a, on a wall. Mm -hmm. um, I like this, uh, these electrostatic sticky notes you can just move around, mm -hmm. making it easy to prioritize these issues. And if several people complain about the same thing, uh, the issue moves upward in that priority mm -hmm. list because it might be more important or unnerving mm -hmm. more people or making more people's life difficult. And in, in this first analysis phase, we usually come up with several dozens of these sticky notes on a wall or on, on, a, uh, on a notepad, whatever, uh, and um, later identify areas where we want to investigate any deeper. Mm -hmm. it's, as I said, it's an iterative approach. Mm -hmm. the, the first iteration is talking to people and then we decide how to, how to proceed, how okay. to move on. So um, the, the analysis stage... Uh, is there a rough time? Like how, how long does it usually take or does it, is it dependent on the system? If you talk about, let's say, a typical developer of a system or a developer slash architect of a system, such a discussion takes an hour or more. Yeah. So just talking five minutes is no use. Um, and having in a medium small, medium or large system, you have a dozen of stakeholders that potentially give you valid input. So at least a day or two with just interviews, just talking to people um, is average. It's, um, even in smaller systems, we, we used for AIM42 imp improvement, we had at least two days of interviews with various people consolidating the notes we get from these interviews and prioritize the, the outcome. And um, I won't suggest to, to try it uh, faster okay. because it's, 
these people give give us very very valuable input yeah and then we usually decide what parts of the code to analyze with some static analysis tool which parts mm -hmm. of the code to analyze with any profiling tool and wh whatever um, whatever issues come up um, and we find means to investigate any further mm -hmm. okay is that already moving into the next stage the evaluate stage mm -hmm. actually i skipped a part of the analysis phase that's quite mm -hmm. typical for developers if you as a developer describe a problem you have with the system. Mm -hmm. Probably some dependencies you don't like or making your life harder. You will most likely come up with potential solutions to that problem. Mm -hmm. If we cut the dependencies here and move it to there and rename that class to this mm -hmm. one or move the method from one class to another, um, in AIM we call these potential improvements. Mm -hmm. So we write another type of... Um, small papers, um, sticky notes, uh, green sticky notes with potential mm -hmm. solutions to the existing problems. Okay. And quite often developers know about alternatives. So you have one potential problem, we write on an orange or red uh, sticky note and you have two options how you could improve that. One option is a quick fix, potentially not fixing it completely. The other one is might be more expensive but uh, getting rid of the whole problem. Mm -hmm. And in the first phase in the analysis, we note down all of these. So we try to come up with both a collection of issues or problems and potential solutions, mm -hmm. which we then later in the evaluate can um, map to each other and find an optimal mix of things to, to do next. Mm -hmm. In the... Um so, that is, but there's. Uh, do you have also have some brainstorming of more potential solutions at that point? That's um, a, a technique you can use as an interviewer. Mm -hmm. Is to ask people about their problems or perceived problems, and later on ask them about potential solutions. Mm -hmm. uh, you, as an architect or as as a developer who wants to improve the system, you will have some ideas how mm -hmm. you could do that, but. Um, Brainstorming is one technology or one method you, you could use if you have a set of problems, mm -hmm. brainstorm about potential solutions, but simply asking questions, um, how would you do that as a developer? Mm -hmm. Or take the problem you heard from one person to another person, ask them, what could you do? Mm -hmm. And you, you find answers, at least candidates, mm -hmm. how you could improve. So, um, is there anything else that is included in the analysis stage? Mm, we started with the interviews, but we left out about a dozen other options we have in the analysis. Um, I'm pretty sure all of our listeners know about static code analysis. So, Probably. if you, if you, <laughs> as a developer, as a stakeholder of the existing system, told me about problems in code then we most likely will have a deep dive into the, the specific code you mentioned with some analysis tool. Mm -hmm. Either you do dependency analysis, complexity analysis, you might do some, we call that software archaeology, uh, look in, in the history of the code, how it was developed, mm -hmm. whether the original developers are still on board or have left and probably you had a lot of different persons working on the same segments of code, meaning several ideas or different concepts moved into that code, making it probably more ugly than it should be. Mm -hmm. These are other techniques we use in the, the analysis phase. So then when, uh, once we've anal analyzed the system, the next step is evaluating. Can I go back to analysis and add some further? You, I, I didn't want to move we too quickly. We, we had an interesting <laughs> experience with a client um, where we analyzed the source code and found pretty much clean code everywhere we looked. Mm -hmm. So looking at the code was a pleasure. But the performance of the system was so lousy. Um, and on one hand, you have that 
that excellently written source code and on the other hand you have that lousy performance mm -hmm. and end users were very very unhappy um, so you have some areas where you should look beyond code mm -hmm. um, for example have a look at your database structures mm -hmm. not just we are using oracle plus hibernate but please look into the table structure and the foreign key dependencies you have mm -hmm. and that client with a good code and lousy performance they had four or five database tables with about 500 columns each. Mm -hmm. 500 each. <laughs> which is absolutely, yeah, incredible. It's, um, I've never seen it before and I don't want ever to see it again. But if you only look in code, it's very, very difficult to see such kind of things. Or, Can you um, not see that in the code? I mean, mm, I would think at some point in time they would have in to... dependency analysis... Or in, okay. if you look at the, if you look for good code, mm -hmm. good names, short methods, mm -hmm. you don't find 500 columns. Um, okay. If it's well hidden behind <laughs> clean code, mm -hmm. you will not find it ever just by looking at the code. Mm -hmm. and, um, another area of investigation is the issue tracker. Mm -hmm. you, you can have excellently written code containing lots of errors. Mm -hmm. Business errors, for example. I can write very clean code and just do a wrong calculation. Mm -hmm. that, that's quite simple. So if you look at the issue tracker and find out oh, there are clusters of errors in, in certain areas of the system or in certain components or building blocks, um, that's another, um, how should I call that, indicator that you have to probably change the perspective on how you look at the code. Mm -hmm. So you have to look at data, data structures. For example, you have to look at, um, at uh, what is remotely um, executed and what is locally executed. Mm -hmm. Because that's sometimes difficult to see in the code. If it's Java code, it can be executed on um, any of several machines. So if you mm -hmm. don't look at, at the deployment or deployment concepts, it might be difficult to, to find out about certain kind of problems. And that's why in the AIM analysis phase, um, we talk about uh, breadth-first search. Mm -hmm. So we, we don't want to deep dive just in one area, for example, in, in code dependencies, but we want to do a breadth-first search considering data, data structures, deployment, even development processes. Mm -hmm. might be that you have several very clever developers um, uh, tied or jailed into a very bad development process. Mm -hmm. So they don't, they cannot communicate because they sit in different office buildings and uh, work in different time zones, whatever. Mm -hmm. and, um, okay. I think everybody knows that term breadth first. And mm -hmm. in the AIM, AIM analysis phase, we, we propose several topics that could be included in that in mm -hmm. that breadth of uh, yeah of analysis aspects have you ever had the experience that you accidentally missed something and, and, and like you tried all these this breadth for search tried lots of different things and then later you realized we didn't even look at at that i'm quite sure we we often miss things um that's <laughs> you you never know if you missed a bug yeah. in code unless um, it uh, manifests itself. Um, um, getting feedback from such analysis years later is a good idea or is a good opportunity to reflect your own systematic approaches. Mm -hmm. And um, when I started maintaining systems, I just looked at code. Mm -hmm. And then I learned about ooh, problems we had in databases or mm -hmm. database connections, whatever, which were not that simply visible in code. Mm -hmm. So I enhanced my own tool set over the years. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. what currently written in, in the analysis phase in AIM is, uh, yes, the superset of several contributors' experiences in finding about problems, finding mm -hmm. out problems. Yeah. I'm pretty sure if if we get more contributors, we will find 
more or additional uh, tiny aspects we have yet overlooked. Yeah, but it's the uh, the the there's room in the toolbox. Yes, that you can always add yes. or yes. Uh, take away anal analysis tools it's as built, necessary. It's it's completely open source, mm -hmm. and as every open source project, if we get contributors with new ideas, we we will uh, we will welcome that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if people tell us about experiences, and we have actually we have too few contributors from embedded systems, okay. and in embedded systems, in a combination of hardware software, there might be completely different. Um, how should I phrase that? Um, there might be completely different types of problems mm -hmm. I have not encountered in the typical business systems I have mm -hmm. analyzed in the last years. So, if anyone out there uh, is doing embedded systems, then <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> feedback would be great. Um, <laughs> okay, so um, so after the analysis stage, we've performed our analysis. I hope you still have in your mind that that mental image of these dozens of sticky notes attached yeah. to a wall. Yes. And now we have to order them to find out what is the biggest pain mm -hmm. what is the biggest loss for the business mm -hmm. and not only what is the biggest problem for a single developer so mm -hmm. having a neutral uh, let's call it unit of comparison how we mm -hmm. can evaluate that's why the phase is called evaluate there is that notion of value mm -hmm. in it so i want to find out what problem has the biggest business value impact So mm -hmm. what is hindering the business from making more sales, getting a higher price for the software, whatever. Mm -hmm. So we try to look at these problems from a business viewpoint, mm -hmm. which is sometimes a bit developer-unfriendly because developer complain about, ah, this is a very bad dependency, but the dependency does, doesn't have any significant business impact. Unless the developer costs a lot of money. But if the developer is never touching this piece of source code, uh, um, you yeah. can just leave in that bad dependency, ignore it, and mm -hmm. refactor something that has a real business impact, making developers slower or mm -hmm. yeah. um, implying that developers need more time to um, change certain parts of the software. Mm -hmm. okay. So we, we try to find a unit, and that unit usually is money. So it's euro, dollars, whatever your currency is. Mm -hmm. If you, if you can, ah, uh, let me get, uh, let, let me step back one, one step. Um, evaluating issues is difficult. So I it, it. it'll take some time. <laughs> mm -hmm. So at a f in a in a first brief iteration, um, we'll have a look at this collection of issues and um, from our gut feelings. We sort them to very difficult or very high impact, very high priority and lower impact. Mm -hmm. So we don't evaluate 50 issues, but we, we take out about five to ten. Mm -hmm. Have a deeper look at those, try to find out what could be the business impact. And that dozens of euros, hundreds or hundred thousands. Mm -hmm. For example, we had a discussion with a That was kind of embedded system. They were doing wind energy, mm -hmm. um, these towers with the uh, rotors on it, huge, huge stuff. And we had dozens of potential problems in their software. And when discussing the potential impact, we found out that there was a certain software issue that required the, the building engineers building the, these towers from concrete and steel. Mm -hmm. Uh, they need to invest more concrete. So they they had to build the tower stronger than they actually needed to be because of uh, fault in the software. And um, they are talking about hundreds of thousands of kilos of concrete wasted every year mm -hmm. due to a, a tiny, potentially tiny issue in the software. Mm -hmm. And that's um, that was an interesting moment in that analysis because these guys told us, We have to stop here and get one of the other engineers mm -hmm. um, to listen to us, and because this this problem was 
potentially worth hundreds of thousands of euros every year. And, um, That's pretty... Yeah, that, that was an <laughs> interesting experience. Mm -hmm. Because looking at these software issues, um, if you just look at the code, you cannot imagine what the potential impact of, mm -hmm. of this is. And all of the guys gathered together were software engineers having no idea what these... It was any... Um, they had... Uh, too little memory in their small embedded or small device they built into the tower and so they couldn't include any simulation library in it and um, nobody could imagine what, what that could mean mm -hmm. and um, after discussing a bit we learned that that could, mean a, could make a big, big difference for these building engineers. Mm -hmm. mm, cool. Interesting story. Um, so we have all of our sticky notes on the wall Still, we're still working with the sticky notes in yeah. the evaluation stage. And you have prioritized. You discuss yeah. probably with, again, with various stakeholders, what could be the business impact. Mm -hmm. um, how much slower will the development team become because of this problem? Mm -hmm. Because of these dependencies or whatever that is. And one method or one systematic approach in evaluating is always evaluate in intervals. Okay. So we cannot calculate the business impact, but we can estimate only. Mm -hmm. and do estimation and from this lower bound to this potentially high upper bound. Mm -hmm. If this interval is quite small, you are quite sure about your estimation. If the interval is large, you are unsure. Mm -hmm. So it could be just a few dozens of euros, so a few minutes of developer time wasted, but it could be a developer wastes weeks, mm -hmm. which is much more expensive, obviously. Yeah. So these intervals might be quite large, but um, after evaluating several of these issues, the priorities be usually become much clearer. Mm -hmm. Several of these issues the will notes, definitely then? stand out and mm -hmm. become really, really important. Mm -hmm. And then we again switch over to the green sticky notes, the mm -hmm. potential solutions. Okay. And estimate how long the fix would take. So mm -hmm. if we have a problem, let's say worth about 1,000 euros per week mm -hmm. of wasted developer time, whatever, and the potential solution to that problem costs 20 developer days. So we have a 20 to 1 ratio and then some management or whatever can decide, do we want to invest to get rid mm -hmm. of the problem or shall we just ignore it mm -hmm. and care for something else? Okay. That's often a very interesting discussion. Um, if you have a product owner on board or a product owner plus management on board and dis discuss how shall we proceed. Mm -hmm. If they see the collection of problems, they are usually a bit speechless. Mm -hmm. We didn't know we had that many problems. <laughs> um, and we didn't know that several of these problems are so grave for business. Yeah. We always wondered why developers are so slow. Mm -hmm. And that's not because we have bad developers. Usually mm -hmm. you have severe issues in your system that are not visible for management or deciders. Mm -hmm. So aim... The analysis phase makes it visible. Evaluate phase shows how grave these are. Mm -hmm. Then you are in a, usually in a quite good basis to discuss these next steps, mm -hmm. the improvement phase. Okay. Um, so you're still working on the sticky notes and you've, you've labeled them with the value they have and yeah. then now we're ready to go to the improvement yeah. phase. If you have a very large system and many, many stakeholders this might be the time to switch from sticky notes to any electronic. Mm -hmm. I don't say the, the bad word of the table calculation, you know what I mean. Um, make it JIRA issues. Okay. So the grave issues, convert them to JIRA issues, then they become a bit more manageable. Use your Kanban board, whatever you like. Mm -hmm. If you have hundreds of them, we have to move from the sticky notes to any other uh, representation. Okay. But it goes Do from a, a sticky note board to first. a can board, board somewhere online or something. Yeah. Find whatever means appropriate for the team. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. But 
don't go for high tech first, go mm -hmm. for low tech first. And then if the evaluation determines you have some severe issues which are business relevant, then you might switch tools okay. to be more systematic, to be able to root this this problem plus the solutions around, mm -hmm. put it in a mail thread or a Slack channel, whatever mm -hmm. means is appropriate to get several stakeholders together to work on it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the, then you go into the improvement phase at that, that point? That would actually be the next the, uh, the most interesting phase for us developers is we want to improve the system mm -hmm. so we want to make something better we want to change some some bad situation for the better and um, my or our clients usually have to integrate improvements with daily business mm -hmm. so they cannot just stop the world improve the system and reboot the world again That's mm -hmm. not practical. So you have to find means to do improvements in small steps mm -hmm. because business is constantly requiring new features. Mm -hmm. I call that daily business. And within this stream of, of constantly arriving new features, we have to, mm, we have to face in these, these improvements. Mm -hmm. So instead of getting rid of a bad part of the code and replacing it by something new, you have to plan for strategies. How can we slowly move out these bad components and slowly mm -hmm. replace it in small steps by something better? Mm -hmm. So this improvement requires some planning ahead mm -hmm. because sometimes you really have bad areas in code. They are ugly and they are, their maintenance is very expensive, so making it huge problems still you cannot just cut them out um, and replace them until tomorrow. That won't work. So you make it a, a replacement project and there are certain aim, collect certain strategies, how you could do that. Mm -hmm. um, one strategy that's typically required is uh, better modularization. Mm -hmm. So usually if you have bad code, very tangled mess of spaghetti code, you have to have an interface against that spaghetti code. So mm -hmm. clients usually use the interface instead of directly calling into the spaghetti. Um, and as every developer knows, this is a probably long and probably difficult process in itself. Mm -hmm. But it's a prerequisite for further improvement. Mm -hmm. We have to do some cleanup in modules and interfaces and so on. Where specifically depends on the on the problems you are going to solve. Mm -hmm. But improvement usually consists of um, a number of small steps in mm -hmm. getting rid of the problems. Is this? Um, I'm just curious when you say interface. Is that usually with Java systems then, or do you have you mm -hmm. had experience with mm -hmm. other? Interfacing against bad part of code is completely independent of Java. Yeah. I was I, my my question was more along the lines of I'm 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 personally curious about what languages you've worked with in in the aim. Name it. We did it. Okay. <laughs> the, the, um, at NUQ, we worked with several customers having really polyglot systems. When we first discussed with developers, as they are, we are having a Java system, and later on we found out, oh. There is a little Python and there is some Scala and there is C++. We patched the standard software we get from SAP, so mm -hmm. it's a bit ABAP involved and so on and so on. And um, several of our colleagues and my, my myself, we did analysis and system having seven or eight different languages involved mm -hmm. in significant amounts, not only uh, small scripts, but really significant amounts of, of um, different languages. Mm -hmm. So, yes, it's it's often the case that we have large amounts of Java code or object-oriented code, C-sharp mm -hmm. code, which is, can be um, analyzed with standard tools like SonarCube, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but we find systems that are a mixture of um, uh, too many stored procedures and too many various databases. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Still, we have clients using um, host technology. So we have COBOL code, mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. We have AS400 systems uh, with various strange languages involved in, in, in existing systems. Mm -hmm. And together with the new mobile stuff that's usually relying on backend systems, mobile is developed in various numbers of different languages. Mm -hmm. uh, therefore, we usually have a mixture. Okay. Okay. Cool. So the first... No, it's not cool. It's not cool? <laughs> so we should all do everything in the same language? I remember <laughs> a case when we, we had a client um, that had a very, very crucial component written in Haskell. And um, uh, a few of our colleagues, and myself included, have never seen any productive Haskell code. Mm -hmm. So I said, oh, we, we need an expert. Um, because... I don't know if this Haskell code is well written or not. And the usual analysis tools couldn't analyze that code. Mm -hmm. So we had to bring in another person, another colleague uh, that, that had a look at this, uh, at this code mm -hmm. to give us a profound opinion of what was really going on there. Okay. Um, so we talked about modularization in the improved stage. Are there other... Um, improvements that AIM talks about? There is one quite important improvement that worked for a few of our clients quite well. Mm. Let's. We are actually searching for an appropriate name in M42. Okay. Um, we have a few patterns or practices in M42 that, that belong in that, in that area of improvement. Um, This area is reduction. Okay. So we try to make things smaller. One problem the human, the human brain has, we cannot cope with large numbers of information. Mm -hmm. Many lines of code, many different classes, um, many dependencies overwhelm us. So we mm -hmm. try to reduce. And one reduction is uh, split large systems in several smaller systems. Mm -hmm. um, independent of this notion of microsystems, um, microservices or self-contained systems. Mm -hmm. Just try to find areas in the system that don't belong there. Mm -hmm. um, there is a notion in software engineering called cohesion. Mm -hmm. So we try to find areas that are incohesive, so that so simply don't belong. Could you define cohesion? Um, or the, the, belong the, the, things belonging together. Okay. So if I have a The system doing some kind of business calculations and in the same code base it's generating PDF. Mm -hmm. um, that doesn't belong there. So it's, okay. it's really something different. So move this PDF code to a different subsystem or to a different system. Um, and if you have a system that's, that's working with private customers and with even more private customers. And a small area of the system is working with organizational customers, mm -hmm. completely different types of customers having completely different um, data types. Even the address of a private customer is usually just one, and mm -hmm. for a corporate customer, it's many. So moving out this corporate customer stuff can simplify the private customer calculations um, a lot. Mm -hmm. We we did that with a with the huge with the customer having a quite huge system, several million lines of code, and we tried to move out um, several areas not belonging to the rest. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we are as always under NDA, so we cannot talk about that specific customers. But imagine it's it's just an imagination a customer selling goods over the internet, mm -hmm. typical e-commerce, and you're selling um, liquid goods like olive oil. And in the same shop, you're selling washing machines. Okay. The customer did that. They sold everything. Um, and we, we removed the parts for the washing machines, mm -hmm. as a just example, because the logistics, the price calculations for washing machines is completely different from logistics, transport, um, warehousing of olive oil. Yeah. And we, we split this huge monolith into several smaller parts, 
caring for specific areas of this e-commerce. Mm -hmm. Making the single, this smaller parts much simpler to maintain. Mm -hmm. Reducing turnaround time, hotfix time from weeks to a few hours. Mm -hmm. Literally a few hours. And that was a great success of this strategic approach of reduce 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 making mm -hmm. it smaller making it better to handle okay yeah. so splitting out is a reduction approach mm -hmm. um, self-contained systems is the or microservices is the ultimate reduction approach okay. but that's a different that's a different topic it's a different topic are there other approaches then reduction are there other reduction approaches Mm, yeah, there is one which I personally dislike. That's called Big Bang. Uh, um, many developers are crying for, ah, we, we need to throw this system away. Mm -hmm. It's uh, damaged beyond repair. We need a new one. And this new one approach, trying to recreate a complex system from scratch called Big Bang, um, to my mind, is quite dangerous. Yeah. Because even finding out what the old system has to do or what the old system is doing is, is difficult. Mm -hmm. If the old system was simple to understand, it would be simple to maintain and improve. Mm -hmm. So it's very optimistic to think that we can just rewrite an existing system and mm -hmm. the outcome has no bugs and is better in all aspects. It, it won't be better. We probably put the link to the interesting anti- Examples for big banks in the show notes. Joel mm -hmm. Spotsky has written about it. Mm -hmm. Very impressive take on big bang. Yeah. Very often, no, sometimes I experienced big bang approaches, and uh, several of those had real people issues. Mm -hmm. So, the people doing the new system were new, new newly hired. They lacked the business experience. The people in the existing team were quite envious because the others were allowed to experiment with new technology, whatever. And um, yeah, there was just an organizational issue you have there. Mm -hmm. The existing developers were unhappy, so they started quitting their job. The company mm -hmm. lost know-how. And uh, yeah, you, you don't ever want to have that. No. You don't want to make your develop existing developers unhappy and quitting because they know about details nobody else knows. Yeah. Um, is there a way you can... Um, I, I personally come... I'm, I'm a developer and I, I also have that like itch. You know, when I see a system, like, I could do this better. Yes. just want to throw it all away and, and start over. And I think that's a common problem with developers. Um, is there a way you can you've used to try to motivate developers to want to work on an existing system instead of wanting to throw everything away? Mm. It's a good idea to move bad things out of a system, but not all at once. Mm -hmm. So try to find the areas that really make your life worse. Mm -hmm. And not, not every bug or every, um, every uh, sonar cube issue has the same business value. So try to find, let, let us developers try to find the areas that really smell worse than others, mm -hmm. have a more business impact. And then you can throw out small parts and replace them by better. Mm -hmm. So if we, if we plan this a bit, if we do this in a systematic way, you can get rid of your itches. Okay. I'm, I'm quite sure. But you have to accept as our developers in general have to accept that there is business and this business value yeah. is important for us to decide where shall we refactor and where shall mm -hmm. we leave the code in the state that, that yeah. it has. It's probably a big, commu like a communication that plays a big role in yeah. that. Um, Eric Evans, this domain-driven design guy, once said, we cannot fix it all. Mm -hmm. So even if you uh, want to move towards domain-driven in any application, you won't get everything tidied up. Yeah. Won't, everything won't be bounded context, uh, domain aggregates, and so on. So concentrate on the more important parts and get those tidied mm -hmm. up, cleaned up. So have you found that, that in uh, more in 
just the splitting up and the developer happiness is also better. Imagine instead of your reaction time being weeks, so mm -hmm. you get some bug to, to, to fix because mm -hmm. the end user had a problem, you fix the bug, it takes you a few days to dive into that specific version or source code because it's so complicated. Mm -hmm. And then it takes more days to get that bug out in, in a hotfix release. Mm -hmm. That's quite fr frustrating situation. Yeah. And now imagine we reduce the complexity, the, the amount of things you have to care about, and you can get out this bug fix in, let's say, two days instead of 10 days. That's mm -hmm. a five-fold improvement. And I did a retrospective with a client where we did exactly that. We used the, um, this way. We split out some, some parts, improved cohesion, and mm -hmm. the, developer pro, uh, the, the developer happiness skyrocketed. Yeah. They said for the first time in years, um, it's, it's really fun to work on the system. It's really fun to talk mm -hmm. to the end users because now they still have complaints, but now we can... Um, Now we can guarantee you get your fix within a few mm -hmm. days yeah. instead of ah, it might be mm -hmm. uh, next month or the month afterwards. Mm -hmm. and that, that was a real, real difference. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, it sounds, I would be much more happy <laughs> in that situation as well. Um, okay, so we talked about reduction techniques. Are there any other reduction techniques that are of note for improvement? Mm -hmm. Or we can go on to other techniques. Mm -hmm. One thing I really like to do is before I start modifying source code, I like to have a look at the development process itself mm -hmm. because sometimes the issue with the system, um, the, the issue with code is just as, as, um, a symptom of the underlying problem. The, the development process is mm -hmm. inherently broken. Mm -hmm. If a business requirement takes half a year to get to a developer that's a process problem not a coding problem yeah and my personal hobby over the years has become to identify development process issues mm -hmm. so why is an organization developing in a certain way or why is it the developers are agile but the rest of the organization is not agile mm -hmm. and we often have process friction between various departments in an organization. And I try to fix those too. Okay. This is completely independent of source code. And it's usually a bit independent of the developers in, involved. Mm -hmm. But it involves other kinds of stakeholders. We have clients that are really, really agile in development. Mm -hmm. And they have operations um, that stuck in the 60s. Okay. So they are a waterfall. They they want written documents. They want real signatures on paper mm -hmm. in 2017, which is unbelievable, but it's still existing in practice. Mm -hmm. And that's an area of improvement where we have uh, the, the potential of uh, improving in the orders of magnitude, just mm -hmm. not a few yeah. percent we get in um, in other areas. So I, I like this process improvements a lot. Mm -hmm. Another completely di different area is the technology improvements. Mm -hmm. So many clients that use technology because they use them since many years. Mm -hmm. So we are using Java 6 because we use Java 6 since ages. Mm -hmm. And um, showing these enterprises new technology options Mm -hmm. um, requires often requires organizational change. This technology portfolio is written in our whatever document and we have to comply to this constraint. Mm -hmm. And resolving these constraints, getting rid of these constraints um, is an interesting approach to improvement too. Mm -hmm. cool. So um, there's also mention of cross-cutting concerns. In the AIM42 documentation? Yes, I mentioned that that planning issue. Mm -hmm. um, imagine you have several problems in your code, which you mm -hmm. can identify, and we have this several of, of these problems written on these sticky notes. Mm -hmm. And then you have 
um, you you find oh, all these problems belong to the same let's call it a java package mm -hmm. and so the improvement would be get rid of this package or replace this package by a new version so a single improvement rewriting this package would solve several of the existing problems mm -hmm. on the other hand you often have a single problem requiring various improvement options or we have to buy more uh, memory for the server and we have to um, we have to redefine the sla with the with the operating uh, center we have to get another developer on board so we have mm -hmm. um, an interesting m to n relationship between problems and improvement options And this M to N M to N relationships are interesting because they are not simple. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the this cross cutting stuff in AIM, uh, apart from this analyze, evaluate, improve, you have to uh, let's call it manage this M to N relationships between issues, problems, mm -hmm. and the potential solutions. On the other hand, okay. And you have to. As I said before, you have to integrate these improvements into your daily business. And this is some management or planning activity, which mm -hmm. is cross-cutting. Okay. So um, the logo, I'll try to describe it because we're on a podcast. The logo is three arrows which point at each other in a cycle. Yes. In a cycle, yeah. Which uh, implies that it's a cycle. An iteration, it's, yes. It's an iteration. So after, after the improvement, The analysis, okay, an analysis, evaluation, improve, you go back to analysis? Or are you usually done at that point? Mm. When we as consultants come to a client, we are often done after the first mm -hmm. phase. And then we leave the, the client can't continue on their own. Yeah. Um, after you did some improvement, you have, you, you should actually measure whether the improvement really solved the problem. Yeah. Um, and then you are in analysis again. Mm -hmm. And um, for example, measuring performance or measuring the coupling between several components or analyzing some, some tests or whatever. Mm -hmm. So you should really make sure the problem has vanished mm -hmm. as you hoped it would. Mm -hmm. um, and with some improvement you it might be that you introduced another subtle problem at a completely different area of the system mm -hmm. okay now the performance um, for one use case or one feature has gotten a lot better but the load in a certain cluster node in the database has gotten higher making another use case a bit slow whatever so Analyzing, uh, analyzing the consequences of what happened in the last improvement um, should be an ongoing activity. Mm -hmm. oh, you should... You go to see your doctor once every year, have a checkup. And I think doing a checkup in a huge system once in a while is a good idea. Mm -hmm. That's the basic idea behind this iteration in AIM. Uh, so you're not improving a system in one big improvement, mm -hmm. but in a series of steps. Mm -hmm. So do you use the same uh, measurement in your, like like with the analyzing if it actually improves the system, do you also use the business value? Like have you saved money? <laughs> Or uh, do you use other metrics to I measure propose, improvement? I propose organizations do that and have some metrics about their systems. Mm -hmm. So one improvement could be introduce some automatic means of measuring, of gathering data about your system. Mm -hmm. uh, people often know about how many sales or um, how, much, how much money was turned around by the system over time. Mm -hmm. But having more detailed metrics about the system, how many hours did developers spend in a certain area, This kind of measurement that's interesting. Because mm -hmm. if if you earn a lot of money with one part of the system, but developers spend most of their time in another part, um, uh, that's a bad idea. Mm -hmm. Developers should spend time where we earn money. Mm -hmm. um, 
and not at at areas that are completely non-interesting for the for the business. Mm -hmm. Making sure these numbers match still match over time requires mm -hmm. some analysis. Okay. So um uh just a general question about aim um what what when is it a good time to use it um can you do, do you only use it on uh legacy systems or can you use it when developing new systems yeah there are people defining legacy system that's um, always a difficult definition yes, as well <laughs> yes um, let's say in any significantly complicated existing system okay and after a number of developers work together for half a year, every system is significantly complicated. Mm -hmm. It's a good idea to analyze, do we have any problems or what kind of problems do we have? Mm -hmm. So applying any improvements um, will make every system better, can make every system better, not, even, not, not, not only old systems. So I suggest that more developers or developers or architects learn about systematic improvements mm -hmm. because it can be done with low effort mm -hmm. accompanying the standard development activities we have. Mm -hmm. So use it uh, whenever mm -hmm. your system is in production and you have to maintain it. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's a very open approach so it, it, you are not tied to any specific tools. Mm -hmm. um, AIM is a collection of currently about 90, close to 100 practices. Mm -hmm. that are, uh, every single one of them can be applied in itself, mm -hmm. having a, a certain value in your, in your development or improvement um, of the system, of any system. Mm -hmm. um, are there any resources off the top of your head that you can give me for uh, learning how to do systematic improvements? We'll also link any uh, like the, the link to the AIM forty two website. Yes, um, in the show notes. Mm -hmm. Actually, we started about two or three years ago to collect existing good practices. Mm -hmm. I don't like the term best practice, although mm -hmm. it's um, fairly common in industry. So we we try to collect practices where we had good experiences with. Mm -hmm. um, we try to. Uh, describe some recipes how you could apply these uh, these practices or patterns organizational patterns more or less um, and um, several committers in aim provided additional um, patterns so it's it's more or less a collection and no no algorithm or really strict sequence of steps you have to you have to perform mm -hmm. we ordered this patterns and practices in the phases we discussed before. Um, but it's a, a very loose collection of ideas. And mm -hmm. if you like, uh, if you as our listeners like, have a look over the table of contents mm -hmm. and I'm pretty sure you will recognize a few of those because we just reused a lot from literature, all with, with quotes and sources, so on. But um, we didn't invent any new wheels. So we took good practices and applied them to, to improvement. Okay. Okay. So um, AIM42 is open source. Uh, the last question I have for you um, is how someone can help contribute if they would like to. Mm -hmm. A few of our contributors were working in system maintenance and uh, they came back with uh, ideas. Oh, we did some certain kind of data migration. Uh, we did it in these following steps and uh, they sent a pull request and we included their ideas um, in this method guide we write. Mm -hmm. It's a more or less a, a huge kind of book, open book we write and... Um, yeah, there are many personal experiences from contributors uh, within this uh, this collection. So everybody's welcome. We are very happy if people point out bugs or issues, mm -hmm. uh, point out that certain method approaches are not working in certain contexts. Mm -hmm. It might be that something that worked for me um, won't work for you because you are working in Clojure and I'm working in Java, whatever. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Mm. Okay. It's, uh, it's really open and many contributors are actually from InnoQ because uh, I advertise that at InnoQ a lot, but there are people from outside mm-hmm. and uh, everybody's invited. Okay. It's hosted at GitHub, actually. Well, we'll put a link in the show notes to that as well. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much for taking the time to answer all of my questions. Thank you for asking me great questions. <laughs> I do my best. Um, and to all of our listeners, um, thank you for listening. Uh, until next time.